Alexan with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, two tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291-6901. And you put a 225 in front of that. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. That's right. We sure wish you would. And, of course, all the folks in the Baton Rouge area, we'd love to hear from you as well. Any kind of problem you might have with your car, you just give us a call. We're glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. And we got a kind of a special treat this morning. We All got right. Mr. Bob McCarron is up at the James Dean run. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Lewis. Just like last year. There you go. Got our roving reporter. <laughs> yes. I drove my 51 Mercury up here that I've had since high school, 61. There you go. Life. And I'm here with uh, Mr. Marcus Winslow, mm-hmm. who is the uh, cousin of uh, James Dean. Yes, sir. And he's going to tell you a little bit about the show, and you can ask him some questions and all that, too. So. Well, great. I'll turn you over right now. All right, good. Hello. Hey, Marcus, how are you this morning? Yeah, I'm doing just fine. How are you? Doing great, doing great. Y'all got good weather up there? Oh, we got beautiful weather. This is one of the uh, nicest weekends for the James Dean car show that I think we've ever had. It's uh, no rain in sight, the sun's shining, gets up to about 78 or 80 degrees. Wow. Yeah, it is almost perfect. Now, tell everybody exactly where you're located so folks listening uh, have an idea. Fairmount, Indiana is about halfway between Indianapolis and Fort Wayne. Okay. Uh, if you take Interstate 69 either direction, you just go about halfway between them and State Road 26, make turn to the west on 26, you go about five miles, and there's Fairmount. And, of course, there's a significance why this show is in that particular part of the country. Yes. He was raised here, mm-hmm. so, you know, this is his home, and... He's buried here, just north of Paramount, okay. about a mile. And, of course, uh, a lot of younger people may not remember James. He was, I guess, to my generation, sort of a hero or a uh, cult figure, you might even say. Right. Uh, we still do, though. We have a lot of uh, new people come to Paramount. We've got a museum here in Paramount, and people come to the museum see a lot of clothing and acting awards and racing awards and things that he had acquired. And I still live on the family farm where wow. he was raised, mm-hmm. and uh, we get a lot of cars yeah, of course. drive away and take pictures and so forth. Oh, yeah. Forth. Of course, James Dean is synonymous with hot rods and nice old cars, particularly old yeah. John Mercury's and stuff. Tell us yeah. a little bit about the kind of cars y'all have at the James Dean run. We've got about everything. Anything up to 1980. Okay. We don't, we don't have anything newer than 1980. Mm-hmm. It's got a lot of Mercury's. Of course, Jimmy made 49, 50, 51 Mercury's kind of a cult car. And, That's right. Uh, from Rebel Without a Cause and probably more custom mercs at this show than uh, than you ever see anywhere else mm-hmm. and uh, there's everything else there's tree rods and rat rods and mild customs and wild customs and they're, they're antique cars you mm-hmm. know well with just about anything that someone's interested in it's here and of course you when you come to the show you walk around look at the cars and then of course there's other things going on as well right uh, if you go uptown in Fairmount they've got a a festival uptown that a lot of people enjoy that and they've got a james g look-alike contest oh, i think right. uh, happens at nine o'clock tonight mm-hmm. and uh, out here at the park they they have a band on friday night and on saturday night and i think they had a flamethrowing contest last night wow about how many people does this festival actually attract well the cars i would say there's probably at least 1500 cars wow 
as far as people, I've heard all kinds of estimates. I, I don't know, 20,000, 25,000. Wow, so quite a few. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah a, lot, a lot of people. Some people come just to the car show. Some can come to the festival uptown. And, and between the two of them, they draw a lot of people in. Mm-hmm. I know Bob drives all the way up from Baton Rouge in his 51 Merc every year because it's something he really looks forward to. And I know he's he, told me about people who come from New York and just well, all over the country. They do. It's really amazing. There, there's cars here from New York and New Jersey and, and you know, out, out west and south. And we even have people here from Canada. Hmm. So they, they come from everywhere. Yeah, and I know a lot of people probably trailer their cars in, but Bob actually drives his. Right. Yeah, there's a few people trailer them, but most of them drive them. Is that right? I'd have yeah. thought it had been yeah. the other way. How yeah. many years uh, have, you, have you been doing this show? I think it started back around 1988 or 89. Wow. Okay, so. So it's been going on for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I tell you what, Marcus, I sure appreciate you taking some of your time out to okay. talk to us this morning. Well, we're, we're appreciate uh, talking to you and wish everybody a good day. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye. All right, that was Mr. Marcus Winslow and, of course, Mr. Bob McCarron from the James Dean run up in Indiana. Right. And, and Bob, that is held every year. It is. And Bob is kind of like you said earlier, our local roving reporter. <laughs> I mean, he, he lives, make that show just about every year. Oh, absolutely. And, of course, Bob is a good, good customer at the shop. Uh-huh. He's got, oh, I don't know how many cars. Uh, he Three. must have a, a huge garage. I saw oh, I yeah. Say. Yeah, well, he's got the 55 Fairlane. He's got the 51 Mercury. He's got the 50 model shoebox Ford. Right. And then, of course, he's got the Impala SS. 96. So Impala SS. And then yeah. several others besides. So he's an yeah. excellent customer, but he's also a good friend. We've right. known him for years and years and years and years and years. And Bob is just pretty much into anything automotive, and particularly anything to do with a 51 Mercury. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's got a beautiful car. It's a full custom job. I mean, it's been lowered. Roof's been chopped on it. Mm-hmm. It's it's a beautiful car. Mm-hmm. And I think on the website, if you go in and type in 51 Mercury, you'll see some pictures of it because we did a story with him a while back, uh-huh. and we actually showed that. The old 51 Mercury was sort of a, I guess, a, a bootlegger's car for one thing. A lot of the moonshiners right. use the 51 Mercury because, number one, it had a big V8 engine. It was very powerful, and it would go fast. And it had a big trunk. You could put big many, back many, many cases of... Uh, a lot of hooch in it. Yeah, you go. <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of a favorite of the moonshiners. Uh-huh. I remember the movie was Thunder Road. I think that was a 51 Mercury in that. Well, that's before my time. <laughs> yeah, I guess well. I'm going to have to go looking for movies when I get home now. That's right. That was one of the good ones. Hey, we're going to take a quick little break. We'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. Travel my way. And that's why Justin Bieber should never, I repeat, never be cloned. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Call her what you want to know. Alphonse, my six-year-old car needs about $2,500 worth of work, a new AC, and tires. You think I should do it or invest in a new car? So how much you paid for it six years ago? $40,000. Well, now it's valued at about $10,000, so it costs you $30,000 to drive it the last six years. That's $5,000 a year. Well, let's say you keep the car and spend about $2,500 on repairs every couple of years, which is about $1,200 a year. Way less than a new car, huh? Whoa, sounds like I need to keep my old car. Then bring it to Agco Automotive for regular maintenance, and it will last you even longer. 
Now that sounds like a good investment. Hey, Al, you got any stock market tips? Oh, for that, you got to tune to my other show, Al's Financial Hour. Learn more about the benefits of AGCO at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. AGCO, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. If you just join us. This is the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alexander, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, two tools. We'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? It's 291-6901. And right now is the perfect time to call. We got plenty of time to get you a complete answer. That's right. Don't have to give you the bums rush at the end of the show <laughs> type right. answer. That's right. Got all our lines wide open, so you give us a call. I'll put you right up there at the top of the list. That's right. And should you happen to think of something after we go off the air or maybe next week, at midnight that's right you can get on our website and send lewis an email and he'll get your answer back to you as soon as possible within 24 hours depending on what time you send it that's right the address is agcoauto.com that is a g c o a u t o.com easy way to remember that's altazan's garage company that's right there's a contact bar on each and every page you can use that to get your email sent to us there you go and you get that to me and i'll get it right straight back to you with an answer that's the best and only way to catch us other than on the radio correct because i can't take calls during the week unfortunately i'm just snowed completely under trying to help the folks who are actually have their cars in the shop those are the guys who are paying my salary so 100 of my time goes to them so i can't stop and take calls not that i don't want to talk to you but please don't call me at the shop uh, with a question because i just won't be able to and of course the ladies that answer the phone will tell you that and you just go to the website couldn't be easier you just fill out a little form send it to me and you get an answer back real quick and that's the best way to get in touch with me and we're going to our phone lines with michael good morning michael Good morning, fellas. Yes, sir. Uh, Good morning. I want your opinion about something. I'm thinking about buying a 2008 GMC Acadia SLT okay. with 165,000 miles okay. on it. I know they had some problems with it, but this well, guy I'm buying it from. Him. Yeah. <laughs> right. The fellow I'm buying it from is, I know I'm going to work with him. He mm-hmm. hasn't had any kind of transmission problem. No problems, really. Yeah. Just, uh, and I just want to know whether you think I might be walking off a cliff this day or not. Michael, that is probably one of my least favorite vehicles. Most of them have a 3.6 liter engine in it, which is kind of bad about jumping timing. It had a really bad timing chain design, and the engine has to come out the vehicle. That is a major, major, major issue when it occurs. Happens pretty frequently. Got a lot of front end problems, lower control arm bushings going out and all that sort of thing. Motor mount's kind of bad about going out. It's just, it was a problematic vehicle kind of a weak design now all that being said i mean if this was been meticulously cared for and you know who knows i would certainly bring it to someone and have a good good inspection done before i actually bought it i mean even if he sells it to you for a thousand bucks and you got to spend ten thousand to keep it going you're still not ahead of the right. game you're know, you better off to, to just invest in something a little better but I mean, I'm not saying no, but I would be very, very, very careful with it. If you could, get all the maintenance records that's been done to mm-hmm. it. That way you'll have a record of what's been done, and it'll be a lot easier to go through it. Right, and since you know the guy you're buying it from, Correct. You, you, all that's available to you. So, yeah, just I would bring the vehicle with all the maintenance records to a professional mechanic, have him do a complete inspection of it, and just see where you stand. And he could tell you better on that exact vehicle. But as a general rule, not a terribly dependable vehicle overall. Well, I had kind of made up my mind not to get it, and then I was switching back, and I said, well, let me just check with you guys. Yeah, see what yeah I mean, to me, it would be a matter of price, Michael. I'd have to buy that real, real inexpensively. I mean, I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd have to be way, way under whatever the book value is because you can pretty much count on some repair on it. Right. All righty. All right. Thank you, bud. Hey, man, right. thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number, and we've got Herb online. Good morning, Herb. Good morning. Yes, sir. I was just thinking now's a good time since we didn't have no hurricanes. People 
think about getting the gas back out of the generators and getting ready for wintertime and the small, yes, all the small engines and stuff so they'll crank next year, you know? Yeah, you're right. Turn As you say, turn over, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just, that was just thought. Uh, yes, sir. We've got actually an article on our website about that, about storing a generator and also how to get it started next year. But what most people are telling me that own those things, they say they have better luck by actually running them out of gas, go ahead and drain it right. out, and just let it sit empty all winter long rather than let that ethanol-type fuel sit in that tank and in the carburetor. Right. I don't even put that kind of gas in there to start with, yeah. but uh, you're, you're right. Like it come out of the box when they bought it at the big store, you know? Right. That's exactly right. And, of course, if you have any fuel, go ahead and pour that off. Pour it in your car or whatever and burn it up because you know, you're not going to be able to store it all year. Next year, at the beginning of hurricane season, go buy some fresh fuel and right. put stabilizer in that fuel, and that'll last you through the season. When you do that, use small amounts, a couple gallons at a time. Don't pour 15 gallons in a tank and expect the car to run it out. You want to dilute it with yeah. fresh gas small when you amount. mix it. Yeah. Okay, we just thought it thought y'all could add to your conversation. Yeah, there you go. Right. I appreciate you calling, Herb. All right, thank you. Thanks, Bye. man. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, we always love hearing from you. And we got Steve online. Good morning, Steve. Hey, I got an 06 Silverado. Uh-huh. And sometime whenever I get ready to get out of, out of it, I get out and close the door and the radio don't cut off. Uh-huh. Okay. You got to open the door and close you know, open and close it and open it again and it'll cut off. Do you have any other problems, Steve? Like maybe does your remote lock not work sometime, or does the alarm ever go off when it shouldn't? Not yet. <laughs> I, I think sometimes it just doesn't see the door open. Yeah. Because when it sees the door open, it's supposed to kill the what they call the wrap feature, which is retained accessory power. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And what it's doing is it's not seeing it. If you'll actually go open and close another door, it'll actually see another door and turn off. I got an 06 Silverado doing the same thing really? periodically. Yeah, intermittently. Well, it's it's, it's just really started, intermittent. It, it only does, yeah, it's intermittent. It yeah, I would expect it's probably the switch in, in the, the door. latch. Yeah, yeah. The switch is not like in the old days. We had a little plunger switch in the door frame. It's actually inside the oh, latch okay. now. And it's really not a switch at all. It's a sensor. And what it does, it sends a little pulse when you open the door to the body control module. And the body control module opens the relay and cuts, the, like I said, the wrap off, which is a retained accessory power. There you go. <laughs> well, what else, you said. Really. Yeah. <laughs> it won't hurt anything. It starts some other kind it's of problem. It's probably going to, yeah. If it doesn't see that door open and close, what it could do is the next time you come in and open it, it could actually fool the theft system into thinking that someone's stealing the car and set the alarm off, or maybe the alarm will go off at night or something like that, I would probably look at maybe getting it fixed. Now, you, you could wait until you start having some other problems, but I would say almost surely right. you will have some other problem at some something, point in time. Something that intermittent is going to have to get more consistent before it's going to yeah. be able to be found. You may have to wait a little while before you can catch it doing I know it. mine's been doing it for about six or eight months now. And really? In, real intermittent. Real intermittent? Yeah. It well, is not you enough to, to get yours in if you get it looked at. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I fix mine, I'll let you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, a lot of help. There you go. <laughs> All right. All right, man. All right, sir. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive, I would love to have you. And we got Jared's been patiently holding. Let's see. I'm sorry, Jared. I cut you off. But if you call right back, I'll put you straight up to the top of the line. Not quite used to these phones, all say, these buttons. More, more buttons. Yeah, Jared, you call right back. I'll put you straight up to the top of the list. And we got Victor online. Good morning, Victor. Good morning. How you doing this morning? Doing great, show. sir. Thank you. Good morning. Yeah, I'm calling up. I have a 2006 Mercury Montego, and uh-huh. I've been having some issues with the radio. Okay. And the Ford dealership, they did some to it, but this still ain't working properly. I was wondering, is there a module for that, or is it built into the radio? Because I love doing, the Victor? car. Yeah, what's it actually doing? Like when you turn the car on, mm-hmm. the radio... 
it starts out high, the volume and it drops down. And and it's one thing one day the C D player wasn't working and mm-hmm. was acting up, but the guy says that the radio works fine, but to me I don't think so. Yeah, that doesn't sound like it to me. Now most of those features are inside the radio. They are integral to the radio. A lot of them have variable volume, and what it does is as the car speeds up, speeds up, it may turn the volume up, and when it slows down, it may turn it down. Or vice versa. I have the feature turned off, though. Yeah, but see, if it's uh, integral to the radio itself, so if it's malfunctioning, it may actually turn it down when it shouldn't. I'm going to almost guarantee that's going to be inside the radio. I don't think there's anything on the outside that controls that. All that okay. is part of the radio itself. All right, because I had the steering. What's the what's the mechanism that goes inside the steering underneath the airbag? Yeah, that's the just a remote. Spring. Yeah, there's a clock spring assembly. Yeah, I had that replaced, mm-hmm. and supposedly he thinks that might have been it, but that's brand no, new. No, well, that's the one that's got the steering wheel controls in it for the radio? Correct, correct. Okay. And the controls work. You right, know, the volume and everything works fine. Yeah, I would think yeah, that, that's probably going to be inside the radio yeah, because sounds... the module to control all those features is actually part of the radio itself. Oh, okay. And probably one of those is malfunctioning, yeah. Now, you know, there are are people out there who actually rebuild those radios or repair them because they are very expensive. Of course, I think Ford sells a rebuilt radio for it as well. You don't have to buy a new one. Uh, They have an exchange program where you send yours in, and they'll actually send you an exchange radio that works properly. Let me ask you, how often does it occur, Victor? It occurs all the time. Well, not when the the car is on, but it's like when you turn it on. Right. It's like the volume is pretty good. But uh-huh. then all of a sudden it drops down, and then you got to really raise the volume so you can hear it. Now, but you know, there's one it, other possibility. Most of those radios do have an amplifier on them, mm-hmm. which is not in the radio. And if the amplifier is working when you turn it on, the volume is going to be nice and high. But if the amplifier starts to go out, is you're going to have to crank the volume way up to make up for it. So if it Do happens, I need to call the, the dealer to find out if oh, that no. particular radio. Well, yeah. any independent shop could check that for you, particularly if it's doing it. You know, you could bring it to us or anybody, and it's just a matter of looking at the schematic for that car, see if it has a remote amplifier. If it does, you would have to measure the input to the amplifier and the output from it. If it's got full signal going in and the output is dropping, then you know it's an amplifier. If the signal to the amplifier is dropping, then you know it's a radio. So okay. it, it would be something you'd have to have some equipment to test. You know, you need like a digital lab scope to check the signal strength, but it shouldn't be that difficult if it occurs a lot. Yeah, yeah, it's been happening quite frequently. Mm-hmm. No, I wish you guys were close. I'm over here in Riverview, Florida. You guys are far away. <laughs> that would be a long drive. <laughs> yes, it would, just to get a radio fix. Don't tell me. I'm about ready to take it up there if it doesn't get straightened out. There you go. <laughs> but, yeah, have someone check the output from the radio. They can put a digital lab scope on that output, and if the signal stays constant coming out of the radio and the volume drops, I'm going to suspect it's probably the amplifier. Now, if so they, it's not the PCM or the body control. No, sir. No, sir. Those do interface with the radio, but I don't think they control the volume or any of that. Oh, okay, then. All righty. Well, I got to tell you, I love your show. If I can't listen to you live, I get the podcast from iTunes, but I love your show. All right. Well, well thank Victor, you. I tell you what, if you send me an email on the website, I'll get an Agco T-shirt out to you for calling all the way from Florida. All right, then. I appreciate it. Thank right. you very much. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Eye, we'd love to have you. And God, You did it again? I did. I did. I am sorry. Jared, I'm not picking on you, man. I'm just stupid, okay? <laughs> Too many buttons on this phone it down is, here. It is. Well, when you go from one call to the next, the drop button is right next to the hold button. Uh-huh. And, and inadvertently, I push that button <laughs> two times. 
on the same guy. I mean, I, All right, Jared. I'm going to have one more a, time. Yeah, here. I'm going to have to send him a t shirt just to make up for I'm that. I'm telling you. Boy, wow. <laughs> what a dunce, huh? <laughs> Way too many buttons. I'm telling you. Let's see if he's calling right back. I see the line came right back up. I'm going to have to apologize profusely to him. I'm telling you, huh? But, All right, right you, button this time. I promise. All right, Jared, I got you one time, finally. <laughs> Hey, you killed me over here, man. I tell you, man, I can't believe it. I did it not only once, I did it twice. <laughs> well, yeah, when I was dialing back in, I heard about that free T-shirt. That's though. it. That's, That's it. it. Yeah, if you send me an um, email on my website, I'll get one out to you. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a first-time caller. I'm actually working overtime today, and I had it on 107, and I heard y'all program. Okay, so great. I recently purchased a, a 2011 Honda Ridgeline. Okay. You, you know anything about those? Uh, some, yes, sir. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was just calling to see if if you knew anything about any problems anybody would have had with them. I mean, it's been good not so far, but yeah, not too much. That's pretty reliable little vehicle. I think it's built basically on an Odyssey chassis. I think it is. The only problem really with the Odyssey, and I'm not sure if the engine is suspended the same way, but the Odyssey has engine mount problems. The motor mounts tend to go out oh, the Odyssey's right, bit. but I'm not sure if the Ridgeline is mounted that way or not. Maybe a separate set, different right. setup. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's basically an Odyssey driveline in it. Liter. Yeah, yeah, three point five. Right, 3.5, same motor. I'm not sure about the motor mounts in it because it is a different right. body. But that's the biggest problem we see with the Odysseys. The mounts will go out, and you'll start to get a vibration at idling. You or have a change clump the mount, when you go in and out of gear, take right. off. But I gotta say, okay. the ridge line, that, we hadn't seen much no. trouble out of them. I we think worked we've had on a few of them, but one in the shop in the last three months, yeah, four months. It's yeah, usually well. either we're changing the timing belt on them or right. we're doing brakes on them or we're doing something like that, maintenance type stuff. We really don't see many problems out of them, particularly have, later have models. They, uh, have they had high mileage? Yes, yeah, sir. The ones that some of them have. have. Yes, sir. Normally when we get a timing belt, it's going to be up around 100,000 miles somewhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I still got... 70 or so to reach that so yeah, and yeah. you want to watch the years on it also because it's seven years or a hundred thousand miles on the timing belt whichever comes first a lot of oh, people okay. a lot of people don't realize the years has just as much impact as the miles yeah, actually the years are worse than the miles because it's a piece of rubber belt and it deteriorates over time so right, you don't right. want to let that okay. get away from you but other than that yeah really don't see a lot of problems out of them i was pretty pleased with it some of the old ones back before 2004 had some transmission issues but they had that pretty yeah. much worked out by 04 and we well, don't really uh, see a lot of problems at all. Yeah, I've, I've had a uh, Ford, Chevy, Dodge. This has been really a good truck, i yes, got to say. Mm-hmm. Just, they, they did good on them. You just need to keep up with the maintenance on it. Yeah, just the keep... trans services, the oil changes, use a good oil, use a factory filter. You shouldn't have any trouble out of that vehicle as yeah. far as maintenance issues. Last you a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah, well, appreciate talking to you guys. I have a good show. All right, man. All right, thanks, thank you. Colin. No problem. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, we got to take a quick little break. Bill, if you can hold on, you can be straight up after this break. And that's why you never put a dead or live octopus in the microwave. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Hey! Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my old truck needs some repairs. Or should I buy a new one to save money? Well, let me get out my calculator here. Let's say a new truck costs about $35,000 plus $3,500 or so in taxes, then higher insurance. And you know, in about three years, the value is going to drop to about 15000 That's $8,000 a year just to drive it. 
Wow, I've never thought of it like that. I suggest taking it to Agco Automotive for a general inspection to see if your old truck is worth keeping, which I think it is. And if so, keep bringing it to Agco for regular maintenance, and you'll be able to drive it for a whole lot longer. And I can spend money on other things like my beautiful wife. I'm assuming she's right there in the room with you, huh? Alphonse, you do know it all, don't you? Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go. Noise off the river to Don't mind it cause the man with the whiskers has a lot behind it. Hey, welcome back. You just joined us the Automotive Hour. Thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us. I'm Lewis Altazan from Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. We got Bill's been patiently holding. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. I always enjoy your show. I've been a longtime customer uh, well, of yours, you. and, and uh, you guys do an excellent job. Thanks, sir. Thank you. Listen, I, I'm, I'm kind of in the market for a, a small SUV, you know, mm-hmm. a, Asian model. But, yes, sir. Uh, it seems like there's more uh, all-wheel drives available versus the front-wheel drives. And I'm wondering about the maintenance aspect of how much trouble the all-wheel drives may be over a long haul. A little bit more, Bill. Not a tremendous amount because they've got pretty much with a front-wheel drive, you got everything there. If they want to stick a transfer case and a rear differential in it, it's not too big a deal. That being said, you are turning more parts. There are more moving components under there to go wrong. I mean, if I didn't need all-wheel drive... I wouldn't buy it. You know, I would try to find just a front-wheel drive. Yeah. Because the maintenance is going to be higher. you got more components that could break. It also complicates some of the other services. For instance, if you had to remove the transmission for some reason, you're going to probably spend an extra three hours removing one on an all-wheel drive vehicle as opposed to one on a front-wheel drive vehicle. Gotcha. Because gotcha. you got to pull more components out. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things in the northeast and even the northwest is a big market for all-wheel drive vehicles because of the snow and all and they're much right. better than that of course down here it really doesn't do a whole lot of good and so you're paying more for something you're really not going to use a whole lot that's going to kind of complicate your life so i would probably try to get one that didn't have it i mean if i absolutely love the vehicle and that was the only thing different about it i don't know that i would say i would pass up if i got a good deal on it i'd probably consider it but mm-hmm. if i could find two equal vehicles one that way and one the other i would go with a, a non-all-wheel drive unless i just absolutely needed the feature gotcha that makes that makes sense to me i appreciate it hey uh, thanks again guys appreciate hey, your show thanks, thanks for calling you. bye-bye Bye-bye. all right 291-6901 is the number if you want to be part of the automotive art we always love hearing from you and we got paul online good morning paul well good morning sir yes sir well i have a question for you i tried to follow your advice and buying kind of a pre uh recession ford SUV, okay, sir. something that uh, you know maybe didn't have all of the problems that, that yes, were, sir. Uh-huh. during the recession. Mm-hmm. My question is, is that during the test drive, of course, everything's perfect. Well, you buy it, and you go home, and I've noticed now that since I've, I've owned it for about six months, that mm-hmm. at about 45 miles an hour, I'm going to say it's transitioning between gears five and six, Yes, sir. there's a little bit of a stutter. Yes, it, sir. It, mm-hmm. What can you tell me about that? And then I would almost on. bet you what it is. It's not actually going on a gear shift. It's actually going into what they call lockup. And most people are not familiar with lockup. But what that is is that at that speed, it's already shifted all its gears. The torque converter has a clutch inside of it. And a torque converter has to slip so that the vehicle can sit still and the motor can run. But as you get up to that speed, it no longer needs to slip. And it's not desirable for it to slip because slipping burns more energy, which cut your gas mileage so what all vehicles do now is when they get up somewhere around that speed the torque converter has a clutch that's going to lock up 
and it makes it one-to-one. It doesn't slip any longer. Now, Ford has been particularly notorious for this problem. And what happened, that clutch, as it engages, will give you a little shudder. It feels almost like running over a cattle guard in the road. Just a That's exactly right. Yeah, mm-hmm. just a brief shudder. Now, the way you can absolutely confirm that, Paul, is next time it does it, keep your foot on the gas and just reach over and briefly touch the brake pedal very, very lightly. And if it immediately okay. quits, then that's what it is. Because when it sees brake signal, it's going to come out of lockup. Okay. So that's just a way you can test it. Of course, we can test it for you to shop because we've got a scan tool we can put on. We can see when it goes to lockup, and we can see that it's corresponding. Now, all that being said, the first step in addressing that and what cures most of them is a good, proper transmission service. And I don't mean a flush. You do not want a flush. If they use the word flush, run like yeah. the devil. Right, right. Because what happens is that the fluid tends to break down over a period of time. That one came, depending on what model and all it is, probably came with Mercon 5. And what happens, the additives in it, the friction modifiers, go away after a period of time. When it does, that clutch starts to chatter. So when you replace the fluid and the filter, a lot of times that will cure it. Now, the second thing that you do is when you have the pan off, there's a part in there called a valve body. And what the valve body is, that's kind of the brains of the transmission. There's a big gasket between the valve body and the transmission body. And what happens over the years from heat and cooling, heat and cooling, heat and cooling, that gasket tends to shrink up a little bit. When it shrinks, it can actually develop a slight cross leak, which can make torque converter shutter much, much, much worse. So while the pan is off, what we do is we go in and retorque all those valve body bolts, which is just going to pull it up snug again. Now, if a proper transmission service and torquing the valve body does not get rid of it, the next step is you could try adding a small amount of additional friction modifier. They do sell that separately, and I don't normally like doing that because that's going to allow it to slip more than it should, but... It's just the third stage of what you would have to do. And if you add just a tad more that gets it out, then that's fine. Now, the okay. fourth step is if it just doesn't come out or it continues to get worse, now you're probably going to have to go into the transmission. And sometimes it's as simple as just replacing the torque converter. Other times it could be more involved than that. But that first step gets rid of about 80% of it. Well, that's that's all I can ask. It's mm-hmm. just stuff. I was just wondering about, other than that, she seems like a great truck, so thank oh, yeah. you much. Yes, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the automotive ride, we would absolutely love to have you. That's a car we hadn't gotten in a while. We used to get all the time. We did. On torque converter shutter. The vehicles I see that the most on are the Ford vehicles by far, by a wide, wide margin. They seem to do it more than the rest. Right. Across the line. Mm-hmm. And then Honda has a... Very oh, a smaller small problem, amount. but we do occasionally see it on Honda. Now, uh-huh. Honda has got their own fluid. Correct. When you service it, most of the Hondas I've seen, someone has done a flush on it and used Dextron 3 instead of the Honda fluid. Correct. And they'll go to shuttering to beat the band because oh, yeah, it, it doesn't it, have the proper friction modifier. It tells you in service data, do not use any other fluid except for the Honda fluid. Right. Because of the additives that have to go into that transmission. Right. And, of course, Honda's got their older fluid, and now they've got a newer fluid. Which is a DW1. Right. I think the old one's like a Z. Z... Oh, uh, ZF? ZF4 or something, something like that. I don't yeah. remember the exact but designation. The DW actually works retro back to right. cover you that can fluid also. Go back. You can backfit the old ones with the new fluid Correct. if you want to. Or if you got some of the old fluid, you can still, still use, use it in the older vehicles. Right. But you can't use Dexron and you can't use any of the generic fluids. It does require Honda specific fluid. And you know, that's all across the line. 
all the manufacturers have now had their own fluid. You know, GM has the Dex Six now, and right. uh, Ford has a Mercon Five. Well, Ford has about five or six. They've got LV. just depending on the unit. Yeah, they've got man. Toyota's got four or five. Well, they got a pile of them, and yeah, they all have a bunch of different fluids, just depending on what unit is in which particular vehicle. Right. Well, different additives that address different problems they had in the manufacturing of that particular unit. Let's go back to our phone lines with Gene. Good morning, Gene. Hey, good morning, guys. Yes, good morning. Sir. Hey, I've called y'all several times with a guy cut the grass. My transition was acting up. I okay. <laughs> but look, all right, sorry about that. I brought to y'all's location off Ford Boulevard. They changed transmission fluid, and they said nothing was wrong with it. My question is, though, but it, it feels funny. The okay. transmission just feels funny, and I don't know if that's it's an 09 Chevrolet. Okay, what do you mean by funny, uh, Gene? You know, like when it shifts, it, it'll shift real hard, and then yesterday morning when I put it in gear, you know, it jerked really, really hard. Yeah, that's the case. You you got something going on. Now, we don't have a location on Florida Boulevard. You might have brought it somewhere else. Our only shop is on Corsi. Oh, it was uh, 7,000 blocks. Maybe, I thought... No, that's... We're Agco, AGC, uh, Alcazan's Garage Company. <laughs> yeah. Wrong so, people. Yeah, there you right, go. Right. But what I you need to you do... Guys. Yeah, what you need to do, Gene, you need to put a pressure gauge on there and drive it what i'm assuming is probably happening is the pressure is being boosted when it shouldn't and that's pretty bad because what happens is that you end up breaking something with those hard shifts there's a part in there called electronic pressure control solenoid could just be the solenoid is going bad it could also be that it's getting a bad signal from the outside and commanding that pressure that could be as simple as something like a throttle position sensor wrong a map sensor that's reading wrong and those the map sensor reads intake vacuum if it thinks the vacuum's low, it's going to think the accelerator's on the floor, so it's going to boost that pressure way high. So that needs to get looked at, and if you bring it to the right location this time, <laughs> we can check that for you tell you what's going on. But you don't want to let that go because high pressure will always end up with some other kind of problem. It'll, it'll end up damaging something else down Right, the and depending on what unit's in that vehicle, I'm not sure if it's the 4L60 or the 6L80. Uh, if it's the 4L60, they were weak anyway. Yeah. And you start boosting pressure, you're going to start breaking something pretty Yeah, you quick. can break a reaction shell or something like yeah. that. And it could be a real simple fix at this point. It could be something, like I said, like a map sensor or some a throttle position sensor. Something or, on the outside of the unit. Right. You just have to put a pressure gauge and see if high pressure is being commanded or if it's just rising when it's not being commanded. And then that okay. way you know inside or outside transmission. Because when I brought it to them, they said that, you know, I told them before they, because I thought it was y'all, and uh-huh. I, I told them before y'all, you know, change my fluid make sure nothing's wrong with it right there's something wrong with it i'd rather just go ahead and get it fixed and be done with it right like right now it's, it's doing great it's shifting great mm-hmm. it's just sometimes yeah all yeah time. And there might even be a code stored that we could retrieve, Gene. It usually sets a code like 1870. Now, that's not a code you're going to see. It's not going to turn check engine light on because it's a one-series code. You're it's a manufacturer's code. You've right. got to have a GM scan tool to see that. So if you plug a generic scan tool up or OBD2 code reader, you're not going to see it. But if you got a GM scan tool like we do, you can go in and actually retrieve that code. That tells you what happened, that the pressures were being boosted artificially. But again, if you screw a, a pressure gauge in it, you can pretty much see what's going on. It just takes a little more detective work than the average guy is going to take time to do. Okay, well, this time I'll bring it to the right place. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll bring it to you probably next week or the week after. Sounds Thanks great, Gene. Much. Thanks for calling, man. All right, bye-bye. All right, do we have to take one more little quick break? We're going to take another quick little break. David, you hold on. You'll be straight up after this break. And that's why cayenne pepper should never be stored in the bathroom. Yeah! Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse Show with me, Alphonse the Know-It-All Cajun. Hey! 
Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my car needs a new transmission, but I think there might be some other problems looming in the near future. I might as well get a new car, right? Well, here's what I'll recommend. Take it to the pros at Agco Automotive for a general inspection. They know their stuff and they're mighty honest. They'll be able to see if there's any problems likely in the future and tell you your best option. And if you keep your car, bring it into Agco for regular maintenance and you'll be driving it for a long time. Thank you, Alphonse. You do know it all. Say, are you as good looking as you are smart? Well, let's just say, I know you wouldn't be disappointed. Learn more about the benefits of AGCO at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. AGCO, it's the place to go. Final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvesan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we've got David's been patiently holding. Good morning, David. Uh, good morning, Lewis, and yeah. good morning, Brian. Uh, affectionately known uh, by his trademark around this household as Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I want to spout off a little bit and then ask your opinion about my opinion and also about the vehicle. Okay. Uh, the boss of this household has decided she likes the Ford Escape. So okay. I was looking on the website, <laughs> and there's a little uh, feature that where you can build your own, so to speak. Uh-huh. And since she likes the Escape, I thought maybe I could get something out of the deal that I liked, and that would be a roof rack so that I could carry a canoe. <laughs> okay. When you build the vehicle, if you add the roof rack, which is a couple hundred dollars or so, okay. it requires the purchase of $2,500 or so worth of uh, dashboard electronics and Bluetooth and right, yeah, yeah. Right. which makes absolutely no sense. Well, it makes sense to them. So, right. Because they know people want a roof rack and all that other junk. So about the vehicle in general and if there are particular engines to seek or avoid. David, I wouldn't buy one, but again, that's just my experience with them. I mean, it's got a lot, a lot, a lot of experience expensive technology on them they're having transmission problems with them they go out quite a bit normally right outside of warranty up around 80 90, miles another issue that i don't like about it is the way the radiator condenser unit is built in that it used to be you had a radiator and you had a condenser and you had all these parts up there well on this one it's all one single unit which is about a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars and so when your radiator goes out, now you got to change the condenser and the radiator and all that stuff together, which I just don't like that. I know it makes it easier for them to manufacture, but I think it comes in assembly with the fans and everything. I just didn't like that. And overall, we see air conditioning problems with them. I just, if I was going to buy a new car, I would not buy that one. If somebody was going to give it to me and it was in pretty good shape and I was going to try it and see what I thought, that's one thing. But I would never, ever consider buying that car. It's just me. That's just my opinion. Now, of course, if you feel different, that's fine. And there are people who have them and like them. Most of the people who have them and like them are in a category where they can buy it and keep it for about eighty or 90,000 miles and trade it off go get another one. And if you can do that, you probably won't be too disappointed with it. But if you're planning on keeping it a long period of time, I don't think it's going to be a good investment over a long period of time. I appreciate the advice. Uh, Lewis is what I would call a small SUV alternative that you uh, have good things to say about? Well, I would take the RAV4. I mean, I like it a lot. The little Honda CRV or the, what's that little Honda they got? Little, the Pilot? Yeah, the okay. Pilot. It's uh, a little bit bigger than the CRV. Yeah, either one of those is a smaller SUV that has very, very good service history on it. Now, if you want an older vehicle, some of the 
Some of the vehicles that they built back before about 2006 were decent. Something like a Ford Explorer, if you like Fords, back around the 2006 era was pretty decent vehicle. Not too many problems with it. I know a lot of yeah, those. Yeah, but you also got to think that vehicle's almost 10 years old now. That's right. But, of course, you can generally buy it cheap enough where you can afford to do some repair on it if you have to. I was buying a new vehicle. I think I would look, like I said, either the RAV4. The 4Runner's a little bigger vehicle, probably overkill for what you're looking for or a little honda crv something like that those are both a lot less problematic in my experience well i appreciate the advice thank All right. you very much and, right. and as always we really enjoy your show well thank, well, thank you david you. i appreciate you calling man Thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. we still got a few minutes. We can be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. That's it. And should you happen to think of something after we go off the air, you can always send us an email and get your questions answered that way. That's right. Website is Agco Automotive. Now, Agco is A-G-C-O. Right. Altazan's Garage Company. Right. So if you're looking for us, and there's a lot of other shops with names that are similar. Correct. Be careful that you get to the right one. (laughs) There is only one. There is only one Agco, and that's on Corsi Boulevard in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. There's no more because there ain't ain't but one million more than one Brian. (laughs) That's it. Neither one of us planning on going anywhere for a while. That's right. Not for a long, long while. So... But, yeah, if you're looking for us, it's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O and agcoauto.com. Go to our website. It's probably the best thing. And you can click on location. It'll show you a little map right to us from anywhere in the world. That's a great feature. Right. And so, so many things on that website that you can look up and do. And you can take a quiz on there and win an Agco t-shirt. Yeah. I mean, there's just tons and tons of things. Lots of information. Lots of great information. Well, that and all of the articles that we put on there are constantly updated just about every night i go home and go back through the articles and Uh update things that have changed because sometimes you may have written something four years ago that was absolute that now someone's not an exception so it doesn't apply so you have to go back and put that in so if you've read an article previously go back and check it out it may have changed that's right they get updated pretty regularly this morning i updated three of them Changed a few of the illustrations to put illustrations that I felt were a little bit more clear. Uh-huh. And also updated a lot of the text to update, you know, just more current information. Right. Because things change in the automotive business just um, every day. Exactly. I mean, what you may have known to be a fact five years ago may not apply any longer, or there may be a half a dozen exceptions. Sure. We were talking about two or three weeks ago about putting new tires on a vehicle. Uh-huh. And of course, we made the statement, and this kind of shows exactly the same thing always put the new tires on the back of the vehicle okay and i had a customer who came in he says man i was listening to that he says and and you just put new tires you put them on the front of my vehicle i said well that's true but we had just rotated the tires on your vehicle about a week before correct and we found you had a bad tire and so i didn't want to take tires we just took off the front put them back on the front plus those tires had a lot of rubber on them i'd say three quarters of the rubber remaining so we were forced in that particular instance to put the new tires on the front because otherwise, we would have taken the tires, we'd just rotate off the front, put them right back on the front, and put the new ones on the back. Correct. So it just goes to show, no matter what you say, there's going to always be some <laughs> kind of an exception. Well, and the, and the reason for rotating is to actually equal out the tread wear patterns correct. that are created from the front. That's correct. Because the front is actually, not only is it steering now, but it's actually pulling the vehicle. That's right. The oh. back just trails behind, so it doesn't... Yeah, unless it's a rear-wheel drive vehicle. But in this particular case, it would have certainly been technically best to put the new tires on the rear, but we had to weigh that against the fact that those tires had just come Come off off the the front, and they had a little bit of wear to the shoulders, so we want to try to get maximum tire life, so they were put on the rear. Now, had they been worn out, 
then you just had to buy four tires. Correct. But they weren't worn out. They were still in excellent shape. In fact, when we rotated the tires from the rear to the front, the vehicle developed a pull Correct. that it didn't have before. So that's how we knew we had a tire. And we ended up putting two new tires, and we had to end up putting them on the front. So I guess no matter what statement you make, <laughs> there's always going to be an exception be some somewhere. Kind of exception. Well, that's why you've got to have auto mechanics and technicians because if there was just a rule book and everybody could follow it every time, then it would be a whole lot easier. But what a professional technician does, he goes in and he says, okay, I know this is the rule, but in this particular case, this is better for the customer. He has to make an evaluation. That's right. A lot of times they'll say, replace this part at so many miles or so uh-huh. many years. Well, a technician may go in and inspect it and find that that part has failed before that time. Correct. So we can't just wait until the time recommended by the manufacturer. This particular one has failed for whatever reason. It's sort of like people. You know, some people live to be 100 years old. And never go to the doctor. Yeah, some die at 25. They right. Just, something was wrong with that person and they had a problem and vehicles are the same way they're exactly the same because the manufacturing process being what it is not everything will be identical not every part will be identical some parts are going to fail ahead of time some parts are going to last longer maybe than we thought they would correct i think we've got time to sneak one more call in we got john online good morning john Hi, John. It's John from Toronto again. Hey, John. Hey. How you doing this morning, man? You used up all your local phone calls. I thought I'd call you just for a second at the end here. You um, I just wanted to say, uh, you mentioned about the brakes and having them done uh, properly. And I have a friend of mine who went to a Lexus dealer and had a Lexus done. And he started having squeaking brakes and what have you. And I used your... Uh, your information that said, you know, they're probably not putting it back together because it worked. It wasn't squeaking before you yes, took sir. it in. You better go back. Right. I just wanted to say that for your local people there that, you know, you I know you know how to do that kind of thing and money going to a, a dealership and spending a lot of money and then having that kind of problem. Absolutely right. There's lots and lots of folks who really tend to fall short on the simple things like brake tire balance and all that kind of stuff. If they didn't lubricate those shims or if they didn't put a shim back in or if they didn't put a clip in place or it is even conceivable, Toyota has two lines of pads and I know a lot of the Toyota deals are selling the second line, which is not the original Toyota pad, is a second line pad. So all kinds of things could happen. And I tell you, I am just totally out of time here. We've got to go wind it on up. But I really appreciate you calling all the way from Toronto, John. I want to tell everybody how much we appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning on Automotive Hour. I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week. And go to iTunes and Stitcher and iHeart. We need great pod services and find our show. Yeah, give us a written review. That'll move us up in the ratings and also just make our day. We really appreciate that based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend. Let me tell the story, I can tell it all About the mountain boy who ran illegal alcohol His daddy made the whiskey, son he drove the load When his engine roared, they called the highway thunder road Sometimes into Asheville, sometimes Memphis town The revenuers chased him, but they couldn't run him down Each time they thought they had him, his engine would explode He'd go by like they were standing still on Thunder Road. And there was thunder, thunder over Thunder Road. Thunder was his engine and white lightning was his load. And there was moonshine, moonshine, crashed the devil's thirst. The law they swore they'd get him, but the devil got him first. 